Welcome back to another episode of Simply Unprofessional. I'm your host, Webby. Joining me tonight, we got Rob. Hey, guys, it's Rob. And we got my man, Sir Bigglesby Third Esquire, Mr. Devin. I didn't hear a single word Devin just said. What's up? Me either. There he goes. I heard that. I heard the what's up. Why did you not hear that? I don't know. I... I give up trying to understand anything anymore. Devin, I'm I'm you last week. <laughs> I just I give up. Oh, I just want to tap out on life. You want to be torn apart by bears this week? Yeah, you I mean it almost, tap out on life. it almost happened the week before, so You cannot tap out on life. It's possible. Why? It's impossible. <sighs> Yeah, anyway, I apologize if my voice sounds weird. I feel like I'm losing it. I don't know what's happening. Uh, This week, everybody, we're going to be talking about something that kind of ties in with what we talked about last week. So last week, not the moral dilemma situation necessarily. Last week, we we talked a bit about being immortal and whether or not we would want to be immortal. Now, Rob, you opted not to. Yeah. Me and Devin, we we said that we would. Just so happens, we came across, and I had talked to Devin about this, and he was already in the process of essentially watching it. And then, so I got Edquist to watch it all last night, all at once. <laughs> and he hated every second of it. No, I mean, no, I, I understand. It. Yeah, he really liked I'm it. Just... But we ended up watching the the movie The Old Guard on Netflix, based off a comic. Based off of a comic. Um, and it just so happens that the, the characters in the old guard are immortals. Um, and it is to the, it is to the extent that we talked about the previous, you know, last week where essentially if they got all shot up, they would die, but then they would regenerate and heal and continue on. So it, no matter what happened, they'd always just seem to continue living they wouldn't age um i'm guessing they could alter their appearance like cut their hair and stuff like that um because they seemed to do it over the years uh, edquist brought up a good point in the beginning of the movie they tried to quote-unquote blend in or hide in society mm-hmm. by all of them dressing like they were black operatives in the military they just all wore black uh they they stood out like sore thumbs amongst the masses. All of them uh, had sunglasses on. All yeah, of them. And yeah. no one else had sunglasses at all. Yeah. But, I mean, that's how we pick out who's on the team. <laughs> in a movie aspect. So, essentially, the movie starts 
with you seeing them walk into a room and then Charlize Theron's character, Andy, essentially says, you know, fuck. And they all just get, like, like they all just get shot down. It was like they were at a firing range. They're, they had a firing squad on them. And they just all got mowed down. Dead. And then they actually, then, the, you know, the opening beginning, there's a cut back scene. So that was essentially our small jump forward. And then we cut back. And, uh, let's see, where did they start? <laughs> yep, here I am thinking, because I didn't know anything about what this movie was about. I'm like, oh, well, that must be how it ends. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, he messaged me throughout the movie like I do with Devin. And, like, ten minutes in, he's like, well, that was a good movie. It must be over. <laughs> Webby hasn't done it in a while. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> I have to get really excited about movies. That's how I know I failed in my recent movie pick because Robbie hasn't messaged me the whole time. Well, you didn't pick this movie. I did. No, I like this movie. You didn't have to. Like, I mean, this is a good movie. I was just saying, like, I mean, granted, the last movies we've watched, so you watched them together, so you haven't had to, but I'm just saying I I have been slipping. God damn it. Um, So then we cut back to essentially Charlize Theron's character, Andy, walking through city streets somewhere in fucking, I don't even know where they were, uh, somewhere in like the middle East. And, uh, it keeps cutting to somebody on a motorbike and I'm not talking like a motorcycle or a dirt bike. It's, It's like a moped. Uh, and he's driving through the city streets and it cuts back to her and eventually they meet up and, you know, they have a conversation um, and this is Booker. Uh, yeah, Booker. And he essentially says that there's a job that they got and Andy doesn't want to do it because it's a repeat job and she doesn't do repeats. That's how that's how you get caught. And the whole big thing is that they do not they cannot be seen. They don't want to be seen, they don't want to be tracked, they want to be invisible essentially to everybody. Um, which we find out why later specifically. Right. Even to the point where uh, Booker was paying for one of the rooms or something that they were going to go up and meet the other two members of the group. And Charlize Theron's character, Andy, looks over her shoulder and somebody takes a selfie. And so she offers to take a picture of these girls who are on vacation. And when she does, she deletes the picture that she was accidentally in and then takes the picture, hands it back to them. You know, she wants to be invisible. And for good reason. And they go up to the room. They all kind of start talking. Then there's like this scene where like he got her like fudge or something. Baklava. Was it baklava? It was baklava. And, and then they all like they all threw cash on the table. They were having a bet to see if she could tell exactly where he got it from, which she did. She guessed correctly, and Booker ended up winning a bunch of cash. But they decide that European, I believe, was it? Wasn't it? Was it Eastern European or? Uh, yeah, I think something about the Black Sea or. Yeah, I think it was Turkish baklava. I yeah, I think it was Turkish. So they talk about this 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 mission or whatever. They decide that they're going to go meet with a CIA agent who wants them to, wanted to hire them to do this. She meets with them, her and Booker, and they meet with uh, 
oh, what is it? Copley or Copley. Um, and they, she hesitantly essentially takes the, the gig. She says, yeah, we'll invoice you when we're done. Um, they all gear up. I noticed first, right off the bat, I noticed the th- not in addition to like guns and like body armor and stuff that they wore, they all had <laughs> melee weapons. Like the one sniper dude had a long sword. She had an axe. Mm. And I was like, oh, all right, this is okay, cool. Uh, this must be from past, you know, from obviously in their past. These are important items to them. And so they break into this, this camp. Uh, the sniper dude takes out the one, the one lookout. They run up to the fence expertly going through this fucking encampment. They go into the underground facility or they go into the facility in general. And it's the same scene as the opening scene. The lights turn on. She knows it's a trap. She says, whatever line it was, she says, they all get gunned down. And then there's like an internal monologue. At least there was a, either it was either at the beginning one or this part. But there's essentially an internal monologue saying that, you know, they'll never know which time they get injured or killed. They never know which time will be their last time healing from it, essentially. You know, she she made it explicit that nothing lasts forever. Um, and as this, you know, is going on, they all kind of regain their breath, and they all kind of start looking at each other while they're lying in gro- on the ground in pools of their own blood. <laughs> uh, and then they all slowly get back to their feet, and now, mind you, they don't just jump up. They slowly get back to their feet. All these other guys watch. They turn around and watch them get back to their feet. And then quickly start trying to reload their weapon because they ran out of bullets. They they emptied the whatever clips they had into them when they first got in. And then didn't bother reloading their guns the second time. Until just now, when it was far too late. Uh, and some of them used guns, but most of them took out their, their melee weapons and decided that this was personal. Um, and then they realized that they were set up by the CIA guy at this point. Um, I forget what happens next. Equus, what happens next? I, I know they go through the whole scene where they kill all of these people in this room. Yeah, uh, and then they bury they bury all their their bloody clothing in the desert. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they she they take out the cameras, and then they they kind of hop a train. I don't think it showed that part. They all end up on like a train. Oh a yeah, thing, and then it switches to the the army, the people in the army. Standing. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, they go on the train because she essentially when they're when they're done digging burying their, their clothes, she essentially said that she's done with humanity. And she's she's done trusting people and she's done caring. Because um, their whole thing is they've, they as while they've been a group, they've always tried to do what they thought was right and tried to help people. 
but I think she's given up on the fact that people can be helped anymore. She just feels like no matter how much good they try to do, there's just too much bad in the world to make a difference. Yeah. Um, so she does say, you know, essentially right now their mission, find Copley, deal with him because he knows what they are and tie up the loose ends. And then that's it. Then she's walking away from the whole thing. So then that's when they, they apparently they get on a train somewhere. Cause they, yeah, like you said, they didn't show them getting on the train. Uh, and then it cuts over to this military woman, um, who is Niall Freeman, a U.S. Marine uh, in Afghanistan. And essentially she's in a small village and they're looking for a dude. Um, and the, the village is all women and children. And so she's giving out candies to all the kids. And then her, her, what is it? Her, um, officer or whatever above her, her commanding officer tells her to go talk to like, there's a whole little group of women, uh, see if they know anything. And one of the, you know, she tries to explain to them, listen, you're not, you're not turning your backs on anybody. If you help us, we really need to find this person. He's killed lots of our people and yours. And she's trying to, you know, cope. And she's trying to, like, co- convince these women to help her. And uh, one of the women says something, like, along the lines of, you know, we can't help you. And then she kind of eyes towards this rug that's hanging up on a wall. Yeah, um, well, she, well, her line is actually... There's no men here. Men don't use women as shields. And then oh, she yeah, then yeah. she looks at the yeah. <laughs> uh, so you know they use hand signals and they're all getting ready to breach into this 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 rug room, this rug covered room. Uh, they they breach in and there's a dude there, and she's trying to tell him. You know, I think she shoots him almost immediately because he goes for a weapon. Mm. Um, and then as he's laying there, she drops down and tries to put pressure on the wound to save him because they wanted to take him alive. And he ends up pulling out like this, this really small silver knife or whatever and cuts her throat. Um, to me, it, it didn't even look like a knife at first. It looked like one of those, like the angel blades from Supernatural. Mm. Like it looked like something that like cylindrical just with a sharp point. Uh, but I'm pretty sure it was just a knife. Um, <clears throat> and then she gets taken back and like one of her, I want to say officers, but like one of the people under her command, I guess, or, or her fellow squad members rushes over and like puts pressure on her neck and tries to talk to her. And she essentially bleeds out in like in this woman's care. Uh, but then we see her in a hospital bed in like a tent back at base. Um, and is, is this the time where, where the four individuals on the train dream about her? Yeah. Yeah. So then there's like a sequence where like it's just flashes of images. And then all four of them wake up in the train and they have a small discussion about, you know, they, they wake up in a panic. 
they discuss, okay, well, I saw this and the one guy, uh, Joe, uh, starts, you know, drawing in a book and making notes and stuff about what he saw. And then he looks at Nikki and Nikki says what he sees. Booker says what he sees. And then Andy says what she saw. And he compiles essentially a sketch based off of all of this. And Andy essentially tells Booker, okay, you guys you guys go after Copley or Copley or whatever, the CIA dude, and she's going to go get this new, new member. Because they all had a dream. Because they dreamt about her, they knew that she was a mor- she was another immortal. Because that's their whole big thing. They're immortals. Uh, and apparently, apparently, when one person becomes immortal or is an immortal, and it activates or whatever, it gets signals to the other ones to find them. Yeah. Um, because like almost like they're connected. Right. Because Niall also has dreams about them sleeping in the train and wakes up to that. Um, so Andy then just takes the drawing and essentially just jumps off the train while it's moving and starts marching through the desert. Um, and then we cut back over to Niall. She woke up from her dream. Uh, her, her squad mates come and come to, I guess, to come to check to see how she's doing. And she's fully dressed. She has no scar on her neck. She she claimed that it was some sort of new, like, skin graft thing that they did. But then pretty much at this point, everybody looks at her like she's a freak. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, every time she walks by, there's hushed whispers going on about her. People staring at her constantly. Uh, and then her commanding officer says that they're going to send her out to Germany to get more tests done, even though she's perfectly fine. Um, she goes to, you know, pack up her gear, and her gear's already packed on her bed. And she, you know, she just has that that sense of she's alone now. You know, all these people that she she trusted, she doesn't feel can trust her anymore. Um, she ends up grabbing her, what is it, like an iPod or whatever the hell, and going and sitting on a bench and listening to some music. Uh, and Andy ends up finding her, which Andy must be a super fast walker. Cause she jumped off a train in the middle of nowhere and <laughs> ended up at this camp. Like she knew exactly. Well, obviously there is like that, that sense of she would know exactly where to go. Right. Um, cause they're connected and they can kind of find each other. Uh, and then she like ends up like whooping two other Marines asses and then just like knocking her out. And next thing we know, we see her driving a Humvee down a desert road and Niall is just in the back unconscious. And I, <laughs> I'm going to let you explain this part, Nyquist, because you messaged me last night and I couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> this was one of the most, this was one of the really first holy shit moments of the movie for me. Like, I didn't see this coming. Yeah. Uh, so she rolls out the back 
she kicks her way out and rolls out the back and starts to run away. And freaking um, Andy. Uh, Andy gets out, just slowly stops the car, gets out very calmly, and looks at her where she's running, and <laughs> whips out a gun and shoots right in the head. <laughs> and she falls over and she walks over, Andy walks over and she's like, ah, I forgot it takes this long when they're brand new. And she's like gently kicking her with her foot, like, hey. <laughs> Hey. <laughs> so eventually, she, the like she the hole in her head closes up, and she sits up, and she's like, "You just shot me." <laughs> so then they start talking, but then she starts she coughs up the bullet and spits it out, <laughs> which so then which I don't like, think that's how that works, <laughs> but that's fine, I guess. <laughs> I don't think things that go in your brain come out your mouth. Maybe it was just like pushed it, her healing body pushed it down into her mouth, I guess. I don't know. Maybe. Depends on the angle on which the bullet in, entered her head. True. I mean, it was like, like a downward angle. It could be like in her nasal passage or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah. So then she's like, You want answers? Come with me. Or you can go back. So then the, she's like, uh, and She gets in the front of the car this time. So keep then going. they end up on You're on a plane. roll. Keep going. <laughs> Does something happen in between? I don't think so, right? I don't, think, I don't think so. I think it goes straight to the plane scene next. Yeah, so she tells her that they're going to France. So then they're on the plane. Par- Paris, specifically. Paris, yes. Um, so the, the plane is like a drug runner's plane. It's full of, like, bricks of cocaine. <laughs> and she goes to Andy. She's like, is this safe? And Andy goes, does it matter? (laughs) Is it safe? You literally just got shot in the head and brained, and you woke up fine. So, yeah. (laughs) Um, So, she's like, well, you promised me answers, and Andy's just like, eh, I don't really have answers. (laughs) So well, she, she gave her the asked. answer. She gave her the answer if she wasn't sure, and then she's like, "But you promised me answers," and Andy's like, well, "I didn't say you'd like them." <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, like she because she was like, "Why is this happening to me?" And she's like, "Wow, <laughs> I have no idea." And she's like, "You promised me answers. I didn't say you would like them." <laughs> um, so she Andy decides to settle down and go to sleep. Um, so then she wakes up and her hand is strapped into the seatbelt thing, <laughs> locked in, so she can't move. And the uh, what's the girl's name? Nile. Nile has a gun on the pilot, and she's like, "We're not going to Paris." <laughs> and so Andy's like, uh, um, "Okay." She's like, "You know what? Let's let's talk about this or whatever. Just come uh, untie me here." And yeah, we'll she's talk. like, "Let's think about this. You're not going to shoot the pilot." Yeah, because she tells she tells the pilot to get up. She's like, "Get up and come over here and untie me." And then she, and Nyla's, Nyla's like, "No, you sit right there and you bring you touch down this plane." And so they're arguing back and forth. The guy keeps getting up and sitting back down and getting up and sitting back down. So then she says, "You're not." Uh, she's not going to shoot you. I am. <laughs> and then she says something in Russian and shoots the pilot. <laughs> so then, like, the plane starts to free fall, 
<laughs> so she's like, Niles, like, oh my god, you shot him. We're gonna, we're planes going down. We're gonna die. And she's like, you could jump from this plane <laughs> and be perfectly fine. She's like, but if you really, so then, but she's still freaking out. And then, <laughs> so then Andy, Andy's like, oh yeah, oh it's terrible. We're gonna need a pilot. And she holds out her hand to. She's like, I'm, I'm a pilot. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I can land this plane. <laughs> I can land this plane. <laughs> so then she comes over. She's like, fine. She un- unlocks her from the thing. And then she, Andy's like rubbing her wrist. And she goes, you don't speak Russian, do you? She's like, no, why? She's like, because I told the pilot to play dead. So the pilot sits back up and starts flying the plane. <laughs> and the two of them have like a fist fight. <laughs> While the and then the guy's like tilting the plane back and forth to make them fly around <laughs> fighting. It was a great scene. So then she ends up breaking Niles' arm and leg in the fight, um, and shows her that she can heal super fast. Yep. I think that's the part where she said that then that they could have jumped from the plane and they would have been fine. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So then she they kind of like. Are like okay. Well, let's see what happens. We'll we'll call a truce for now. And then from here, uh, we cut to a scene of that Copley guy, the CIA dude, and he meets with a another guy in the back of like a limo or in the back of a car, and shows him some security footage of like the opening scene where they all get gunned down and then stand back up. And then essentially slaughter the people who gunned them down. Um, now, am I mistaken, or is the CEO of that pharmaceutical guy, the pharmaceutical company there, mm. is that a Harry Potter guy? Because he he looks like he'd be from Harry Potter. Uh, he kind of does. I don't think he is though. What guy are you talking about? The CEO, the CEO of the pharmaceutical company, like the nerdy dude who ends up stabbing Joe a million times. Oh, um, I don't think he's. I've yeah, seen him before, but I can't remember. Oh, I tell you one second who he is. I've he, seen him before. Is, for sure. He's best known for playing Dudley Dursley in the Harry there you Potter go. films. Dudley. <laughs> yeah, like, I've definitely seen him before. Um. And he's also, he plays the young thespian with no arms and legs in the film The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, which me and Devin didn't ask you on. Yep. I, yep, 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 yep. So. Um, so Another movie where your, your, your title characters die early. Yeah. Fucking everybody dies in that movie. God damn. Um, it's rude. It's very rude. So, this Harry Melling which is the CEO of the Merrick. Oh no. Harry Melling is the character or is the actor. He plays Stephen Merrick of Merrick pharmaceuticals. Uh, pretty much tells this CIA guy. Uh, I didn't ask you for video. I asked you for samples, you know, cause I guess this guy was supposed to get blood and tissue samples and stuff like that. Now he, he ups it to saying that he wants them captured and brought to them for testing so they're going to send a team out and go try to find these guys meanwhile uh, Andy and Niall 
land in in France. They're just outside Paris at some church. And this is where we really get to meet the rest of the group. You know, Niall, you know, gets introduced. They, they all, they're all one big happy family now in this church. Um, and Niall ends up waking up from a nightmare where she dreams of, wow, I want to say the character's name is Quinn or something, which was a previous member of this group. Um, but she dreams about essentially this woman in, a, in an iron cage at the bottom of the ocean, drowning over and over and over again. Uh, and the other members, you know, Joe and Nikki and Booker, they all start explaining who this woman is. Uh, you find out, and also you find out that Booker, because she, Niall, being new to the whole immortal thing, kind of asks everybody how old they are. And you find out that Booker, his real name is Sebastian Lelivre. <laughs> Uh, he was a French soldier who fought under Napoleon. Yep. Uh, Joe, whose real name is Yusuf al Kassani, was a Muslim warrior who participated in the Crusades. And Nikki was Nic- Niccolo de Genova, who was also a former Crusader. And him and Joe actually fought against each other a few times until they found out they were immortal. Um, and then they fell in love with each other. Um, and then when Niall asks Andy, how old she is, Booker says, you know, she doesn't remember she, or she claims she doesn't remember. And then they, she kind of presses the subject. And I thought Andy was going to get pissed and like kill her again. Mm-hmm. But uh, she just essentially tells her, uh, I'm very, very old. Um, and you find out that Andy's real name is, I'm going to fucking butcher this, mm-hmm. Andromica of Scythia. Yep, you know who that is? That is, if I remember correctly, uh, fucking, well, there's two of them. But if I remember from what I'm, I'm understanding it's Greek mythology. Uh, she's the wife of Hector of Troy. That is correct. Okay, because according to the comic books, that is who she is actually alluded to be in the comic books. Because in the comic book, she is her age is actually flat out stated, unlike it is in the movie. In the right. comic book, she says flat out she is six thousand seven hundred and thirty-two years old. Now, see, there's another Andromica in mythology as well from that same exact time period, which kind of leads me to question which one they're making her trying to be. Uh, the other one was a, the queen of the Amazons, which kind of fits with her flashbacks where she's wearing like that garb. Um, because the Amazons in that time period, uh, fought alongside Troy in the Trojan War. So I guess, I mean, she could technically be either, but I I only know of, I mean, before before I looked into it, the only one I knew was the, 
the wife of Hector. So I will say this. Um, I mean, take it for from Wikipedia, if you will. Um, Andromaca, um, an Amazon who fought Hercules and was defeated, only known from base paintings, not to use them to for this. It does say she was the one that was portrayed in the old guard, but I guess from the comic books, historical references, they do point more towards the the one from uh, Hector's wife. Okay. But yeah. it could go either I mean, way. It could go either she, way. Hector's wife is probably the more well-known version. The more well-known one, because the um, she's only really known, uh, the Amazon queen's only really known from base paintings and like yeah. right yeah like she doesn't have like i don't think any like she fought hercules i don't think she has any like other archer hercules how do you want to say it um she's pronounced yeah she that i think that's like her most notable feat yeah because andromaca means like man fighter or something like that in- something along those lines yeah sounds right sounds right um so she has, she essentially says, "Yeah, I'm fucking, I'm really, really old." That's that's the answer you're getting. Uh, but during this during this nightmare, they all explain to her the whole uh, Quince, how she used to be a member, and her and Andy were really close, and they went through the whole like fighting side by side thing. You got some cool shots of that, and then they got captured. And then they got tried as witches where they were hung. Neither one of them died. They kept coming back to life. So then they knew that they were witches. <laughs> At least that reconfirmed the, their suspicions. Uh, so they were going to burn them. But then some priest says essentially, yeah, you know, listen, you guys are way too powerful together. So we're going to split you up. And they dragged Quinn off, threw her in like an iron maiden and then put her on a boat, shipped her out to sea, and then just dumped her in the ocean, uh, where she just continuously drowned over and over and over again, which I'm guessing is why Edquist said said to me last night, you know, everything about this movie reconfirms the reason <laughs> why I would not want to be an immortal. <laughs> uh, that's only if you get caught, Edquist. Why not? Only if you get caught? And I mean, the torture is bad, but I mean, you're, it's fine. It, it can't, it literally cannot last forever. Yeah. Um, um, go ahead. But I, I was like, I was going to say, if I could spend my eternity with Nikki, I might change. Listen, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> you and this Nikki fellow, you fell in love with his eyes. I did, even before I knew he was a gay character. I was like, I, I, I messaged you about that. I was like, oh my God, I love his eyes. Yeah. Um, so I forget what happens after the girl has her nightmare. Uh, oh, she goes for a walk and then Andy goes after her and talks to her out out in the yard somewhere, like further down the road and essentially starts telling her about you know, their whole purpose and whatever. I don't remember the conversation they have. But then there's some banging. So they run back to the the church uh, to find Joe and Nikki gone and Booker dead in a chair. <laughs> and, like, his ribs are exposed and, like, sticking out of them. Because he got, okay. I'm guessing he got blasted by a grenade or a fucking, mm-hmm. it was definitely more than a shotgun blast, but he he was pretty fucked up. And Andy was like trying to wake him up, 
by pleading with him and like tapping him, and then she like just outright slaps him, and he wakes up from that, uh, and then st- starts healing. Um, there's a little bit of a, a funny interaction between the two uh, while he's doing that, but then she, Andy's essentially, you know, she's asking where Joe and Nikki are. Booker doesn't know. She asked how many of them there were. Booker didn't know. Um, and then she says, okay, well, you two stay here and wait for the signal. And then she leaves. She grabs her sword and she's gone. Her, well, she grabs a sword? Or was it her axe? I don't remember now. Normally she has an axe, but I thought she did the next scene with a sword. She grabbed the sword. It was a sword? Yeah. Okay. It was a sword or like a piece of rebar. It was like one of the two. Well, I know it wasn't her axe. It wasn't her axe. It was a sort of like a piece of rebar. It wasn't like a... It wasn't her axe for sure. Yeah. Um, and then... Didn't Niall, they take her axe? Huh? They, didn't they take her axe? No, I don't... I don't, I don't, I don't, no, I don't think so, because later on, Niall has it in a bag. Yeah, no, they didn't take it. Oh, yeah, yeah. She has it in what looks like that really awkward guitar case. Mm-hmm. Um, so Niall keeps asking Booker, well, what's this, you know, what, what's this signal? And he's like, oh, you'll know it when you see it. And then like periodically throughout, they keep, they keep cutting back to Niall and Booker and like Booker's like packing a bag and Niall's like, I really think we should get out there. And he's like, no, hasn't given us the signal yet. He's like super calm about the whole thing. So meanwhile, we cut to the church and she's in like the chapel area. Um, like where all the pews are and she's standing up behind a, a statue and there's like a dozen guards or so that come into this area looking for her. And she jumps down and she just starts fighting all of them. She gets stabbed in the shoulder, like directly from the top of the shoulder down um, and then goes through and just starts going berserk, killing everybody. Uh, and then, oh, fucking fly, get out of here. Uh, and then she leaves. And then after a little while, there's like an explosion inside where it like busts through a wall. And you see Niall go, oh, that's probably the, that's probably the signal. And then they leave. Uh, which Niall sees the carnage that Andy left behind in the church. And then they all hop, they all hop in a car and they head out. But meanwhile, we find Joe and Nikki in the back of a van with four guards. They're in an armored van going down a dirt road, and Joe is essentially trying to wake Nikki up, and the guards are like telling him to shut up, and he won't, and then he. One of the guards is like, what is this, your boyfriend? And then Nikki has like this long monologue that just instantly shuts up all the guards. Mm-hmm. Like they didn't have anything to say after that. Yeah. And then I, it's funny because the two, then they start kissing and the guards just sit there for a minute and then they're like, hey, wait, we're not supposed to let you guys it, touch. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I thought one of the funniest scenes was the, 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 the weird like, bodyguard dude like the he's like the big bad evil guy's bodyguard and the ceo guy the cia guy 
they open up the doors once they catch up to the van. They open up the doors. All the guards inside are dead. Nikki and Joe are just sitting there handcuffed. <laughs> and I know they're like, we're going to take these off now. I, I will say Nikki and Joe probably are one of, two of my favorite characters in this movie because of their their ability to make all the really bad moments that they were part of into a joke in some fashion. Like they kept joking no matter what, no matter what they were, they were, they were caught, which is one of their biggest fears as a group of immortals is being caught and tested on, which is why they always hid in the shadows. They always tried to stay invisible. Um, and no matter what, they always ended up having like some sort of like quirky quip to say uh, yeah. throughout their conversations. Like, yeah. like when the bad guy's doing his monologue, and all of a sudden, as soon as he gets close to Joe, Joe's like headbutt straight to the yeah. face yeah. in a mid sentence. Um, I will say that looked very gnarly though when that CEO guy was like, "I want to see this firsthand." He grabbed like a letter opener. And he just starts stabbing Joe in the neck and back. Mm. Like, he stabs him, like, 20 times. Finally, somebody pulls him off. It's like, whoa, dude, you're a fucking psychopath. Mm -hmm. Um, And so Andy, Niall, and Booker, they end up going to a cave, like an old mine shaft, to hide out for a little while. Uh, and it's filled with a bunch of Andy's stuff, like paintings, art sculptures, weapons. It's kind of just her secret stash of goods. Um, and she takes off. She tells she tells Booker to hunt down the CEO guy or the CIA guy. And then she takes off and she goes to like a CVS. She buys some bandages and whatever. And she ends up getting help from the clerk yep. who does not even ask what happened. Just helps her stitch her up, you know, just bandages her up a bit. Says, yeah, you know, you probably can, could use stitches would be better, but this will get you by. Um, and then you, Andy, Andy asks, there's this moment where she essentially says, why are you helping me? You know, you're not even going to ask me what happened. And she's like, hey, I'm helping you. That's doesn't matter why it just matters that I'm helping you tomorrow. Maybe you'll help somebody else. You know, and that's, that's, that's that whole clerk's philosophy, which really sunk in with Andy. And this is also where we find out. I mean, I kind of knew earlier I had suspicion, but Andy no longer is immortal at this point. Um, or at least she's not healing like she normally did. Yep. Um, I had noticed earlier when she kept rubbing her fists that she lost her immortality somewhere at least before the plane ride because the fists were from the fist fight that she had on the plane. Um, I think they end up, I think we end up finding out earlier that she loses her immortality at the moment that they all dreamt that Niall gained her immortality never actually happened in the comic book. What's that? That never actually happened in the comic book as of at least as of the current 
story of the second like volume, she still has her immortality. Okay. But I get why they changed it for the movie because it's kind of no stakes if your character's immortal. Right. Kind of like with Deadpool, like it's a funny movie, but like objectively, it like you just kind of don't care because you know he can't die. Right. You know. So. Um. Yeah. I mean, maybe well, she's still immortal. That's the thing is, I yeah, I have a feeling like. I had as a least, feeling by the, the end, end of the movie, movie... She's not immortal, but it's a good chance she may have some of it back. That's the thing. is By the end of this movie, I felt like she was and she knew she was immortal again by what she says to Booker at the end, which we'll get there. But I have a feeling like she, she is immortal again. She just might not heal as fast. You know what I mean? We'll have to watch out next yeah uh so, watch the sequel coming soon so in any case they find the cia dude they end up going to his house the nile can't go through with it so uh andy gives her a gun says listen take this take the car live your life do what you gotta do i'll manage like i always do so the girl takes off. Booker and Andy go into the house. Yeah, her her argument was, I could still stay with my family at least for a little while before they realize I'm not aging, so right. I could have a few years with them, and I want to do that. So that's why she takes off. Yeah. <clears throat> she, she makes it partway down the road, and then, you know, she's she's getting ready to, I think she's throwing all the guns into the bag to ditch them. Uh, and then she realizes that the gun that Andy gave her was not loaded. And she thinks back and she realizes that Booker made it look like he loaded it and handed it to Andy. So she figures something was up about that. She, you know, presumably turns around. And then we cut back to the house where, you know, they finally... They confront the CIA Copley, 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 um, James. His name's James. <clears throat> and the second Andy starts talking to him, Booker shoots her right through, like, the side, like, through the back out her gut, but in, like, the side, like, not directly in the center. Um, and then she instantly gets on top of her and like zip ties her hands behind her back. And she's like fear. She's like a caged tiger at that point, man, she's furious. And then they almost immediately realize that she's not healing. And Booker is so filled with regret at that point. Uh, he like, it's instant, like on a dime, his mentality changes about the decisions he just made. Um, what's that? Said true. He's just like, fuck, like, no, not like this. Right. So he then we find out the CIA dude, his wife died of ALS. And he was essentially trying to get these immortals to this pharmaceutical company so that they could help through testing essentially cure all sorts of these diseases so they didn't have to happen to other people. But then I think especially after this scene, uh, you know, Merrick comes in or Merrick's goons come in 
You know what the whole sad thing about this whole movie is? What? If the CIA guy had gone to them and said, hey, can we take samples of your blood to try to see if we can cure people of disease, they might have said yes. Like, as long as... Kind of like, as long as you let us go and erase that video, you have it. (laughs) Kind of thing. I mean, probably. (laughs) Yeah, because this guy, we find out, like, there's like this big board behind this guy. But, uh, so Merrick and his people come in. They end up tranking both Booker and Andy. They find out Andy's not healing. And then they end up bashing the CIA dude in the face, knocking him out. And then... Uh, Niall comes into the house once they're gone and it's just the CIA dude left and this part really made me like this part really question I question this part he's like she has him at gunpoint he asks her who are you she shoots herself in the foot and and then he's like oh you're one of you could have shot yourself in the hand you could have just told him Hey, I'm one of them. <laughs> you didn't have to shoot yourself in the foot. Oh, Explain to me why you had to shoot yourself in the foot. Why not your hand? Because life says so. No. Bullshit. Now you have a hole in your boot, and if you step in a puddle, you have a wet foot. That's bullshit. That's exactly what the <laughs> boot's for, to keep the wet out. Fine. You ruined a great Eat. pair of boots. You're overreacting, it's fine. Not to mention, later in the movie, I'm fairly certain you see her feet and there's no hole in the boot. She did not change <laughs> her boots. Plot holes. Um, literally will, plot holes. I will point out that they get shot a lot and their clothes are always perfectly intact. That's, I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway, so the CIA dude shows her this board and she's been, he's been keeping tra- track of all of them at least over the last century, tracking their movements and essentially showing, okay, well, see, she saved this person and that person's great-granddaughter ends up going off and curing this disease. And, you know, Nikki saves this person and that person's daughter goes off and, you know, finds this, which is, you know, great for humanity. And, like, it's it's a matter of these people are doing what they think are good deeds, but, you know, may not think that it makes that big of an impact. But generations later, it's a huge impact, what these people have done. Um, so the CIA guy says, you know, essentially he's like, oh, I fucked up. We need to go get him back. So Niles and the CIA dude go and they get into the city super fast. Um, we also find out, you know, Nikki has been tested on, Joe's been tested on, uh, what else? Yeah, Andy and Booker get dragged in and strapped down next to them. Joe really wants to kill Booker at this point. <laughs> like even Nikki was, he was like more calm about it. He was yeah. just like, you know, Nikki's the very zen, like the, hey, if it's our time to go, it's our time to go. You know, nothing's going to stop that from happening. You know, uh, if it's not our time to go, there's nothing you're going to do about it. It's just not going to happen for us. I, I don't remember, I forget what he said to the doctor, too, but that it was hilarious. Like, because at first when she was like, she was like, you think I'm unethical? And he was like, maybe more immoral. 
Yeah. But then when she's leaving, he said something. I can't remember what it was. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember. Um, so then Niall and the CIA guy go in. He gets her in with a key card. And then he, like, grabs a gun. He's ready to go in. And she's like, no, you're a fucking idiot. I'm going by myself. And he's like, no, I helped cause this. I got to I gotta do my part to rectify. He's like, uh, if if sh- if people get shot in there, I'm the one who's going to come walking out. You ain't. I'm I'm the immortal one. You ain't. And then he's just like, yeah, you're right, and drops the gun. <laughs> um, so she goes in, guitar case in hand, which really has the axe in it. Guns already. She walks. She doesn't even open fire. She like walks up to the guard with her arms yeah, behind I her back. Understand. Like I feel like that was kind of a pointless thing. Like she should, she should have just opened fire. Like she didn't gain yeah. anything by like he, not just shooting them. Yeah, exactly. In fact, if anything, she gained less because they alerted the other security guards as to that there was an intruder and it was dealt with. Yeah, it. it yeah, it, she really and, didn't. Like, yeah, do she, she didn't think that one through. Man, if not you're enough. an immortal and you're going in there and you're expecting a gunfight, just go in there shooting, okay? Nope. Um, but yeah, so they just shoot her. She dies. She comes back to life. And she ends up shooting all of them. And then uh, she makes her way. She loses the axe, which the fucking Merrick guy ends up getting his hands on. Um, and then she ends up she ends up getting into the room. She, she does she let the doctor run away? Or does she kill the doctor? She at least hits the doctor and knocks her down because the doctor comes at her with a needle. Yeah, I don't know if she killed her or she was just knocked out. Yeah, and then she essentially gives this speech to Andy, puts a gun in her hand, uh, and then like Andy's like to the point where she doesn't, she's she's kind of hesitant about even taking the gun. Um, I don't remember what she, Niall ends up saying to her, but then the door opens and her and Andy just open fire on the three on the two guards that are there. Um, I think she said she she was like you gave your word. Oh about yeah, you, you, walking out together or whatever. Yeah, you promised that you'd get them out of here, no matter what it costs, or no matter what it takes. Um. So essentially, Niall ends up freeing everybody. They want to leave Booker, or Booker wants to be like kept there, but Andy tells them, "No, you know, every, every, everybody's coming. You know, we're all getting out of here together." And uh, I, I'm not gonna say I got emotional on this part, but like, it kind of choked me up a little bit with all of them knowing that Andy now could get hurt, they all just kind of kept this formation around her throughout the series of the next, you know, several fight scenes. And like, anytime somebody rounded a corner, they would get in the way and take the bullet for her. Um, which I mean, makes sense, but it, for what it just, the build up to all that really kind of choked me up. Um, and fucking, the next room, there's like an RPG goes off, or some shit, a mm. grenade launcher of some yeah, fashion. Launcher. It blew a whole wall down. Everybody got knocked down. Um, I think Booker, Andy, and Nile all left, and they yelled to Joe and Nikki that they were going, but Joe and Nikki were pretty much knocked unconscious at that point. And then when they came to, it was the big fucking bodyguard guy who. <laughs> 
got into a fight with the pair of them, and then ended up fucking, I don't remember the series of events that happens, but he ends up putting a gun in Nikki's mouth and pulling the trigger, blows the fucking back of his head apart. It, like, and it happened fat. Like, it was abrupt. It wasn't like a slow lead up to it. It was just like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, I didn't expect that. Then it's like, when I was watching it, at least, I saw that happen. And when it happened, it I completely even forgot that they were immortal. Like, the thought of him, like, regenerating didn't occur to me right away. Uh, and he ends up running away because fucking Joe ends up beating the shit out of him. Uh, and then he wakes up Nikki, who wakes up after getting his <laughs> brains blown out. Um, yeah. They play it off for a few seconds, though, because he's like, yeah. he's like, Nikki, wake up, and he's not waking up. And then finally he's just like, oh my god, ow! <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then they, they all meet back up. They decide to do a plan from like 1890-something or 1812 or some bullshit. She names off some year, and then Niles is like, oh, what happened yeah, in 19-whatever? Yeah, 34. And she's like, what happened in 1934? And she's like, no, no, 1834. Mm-hmm. And you'll see. And then they disappear. They all run off in different directions. Yeah, they all run off, and then Niall and Andy go to the front door to Merrick's penthouse. And they wait. And essentially, you see Niall, he's like, she starts unstrapping this dude's body armor, saying, okay, put this on, I'll go in first, and, and Andy's just like, no, no, stop, I always go in first, okay, it's I, it's my thing, I do that, okay, and she's like, well, what happens if you, if you get killed? If I get killed, next time you can go in first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I love that. What, what, yeah, what if you die? Well, the next time you go in first. <laughs> Um, so essentially, you be like that? <laughs> so essentially, all these guards that are protecting Merrick are training their guns at the at the front door. Then all of a sudden, Joe comes crashing through a window and starts opening fire on everybody. Booker, yeah, comes, like swings from another up. building, yeah. through the window. Booker shows up, and then Nikki shows up somewhere. There's like a big fight, and then. Andy and Niall come busting through the door and they just start shooting people left and right. Uh, and then I think she's, they all think that uh, somebody's in the elevator. I think somebody's in the elevator. So they think Merrick's getting away. So they send Booker, Nikki and Joe to go get Merrick. And, oh, and freaking Joe kills the big bodyguard. He's like, Oh yeah. Just all around, all like, like kills him. And he's like, you shouldn't have shot. She shouldn't have shot Nikki. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, he does this like crazy, like overhand, like over shoulder throw, but he lands on his head and snaps his yeah. neck. Like it did. It, it looked. It looked like it looked like it would hurt. But obviously, <laughs> it killed the guy. Um, but then, like, so Niall and Andy are standing near the open window. Which is now un- very unsafe. I thought somehow Andy was just gonna like die, like jump out the window. I was like, no, Andy, get away from the window. You're not immortal anymore. This isn't funny. Yeah, now it's my time. Ah. <laughs> um. So they're standing near this window and they're talking, and all of a sudden Merrick shows up with the axe and a gun. I think. Yeah. Uh, which seems a bit overboard, but still. Uh, and then they they do the whole, you know, Andy asks Niall if she, if she thinks he speaks Russian. And then at that point, like, so like Merrick has his gun on Andy. 
Niall has her gun on Merrick. Niall turns her gun onto Andy, and then Merrick instinctively turns his gun onto Niall, and Andy rushes Merrick and essentially disarms him, whoops his ass, and then, like, plunges her axe into his neck or some shit. Mm. And then something happens, and Niall ends up tackling him well, out the window. Yeah, he she hits him with the axe in the neck, but he brings up the gun to shoot her. Niall, Niall jumps in front and takes the bullet and then dives with him out the window. Yeah, and then lands on the car, which... When I saw that, I was like, okay, I've seen enough superhero movies. I can tell they're just going to, we're going to get down there and they're going to just be laying on the roof of this car together, like side by side. No, no, man. They were, <laughs> no. They, they were then inside the car. Uh, she was freaking broken. It was, they were mangled. Okay. Because they all end up going downstairs and essentially Booker opens the door for her and just like waits. And then you see her all like, kinking back together. Yeah, like her hand is all broken and backwards and they start to like reform and he's like, she's all right. Yeah. (laughs) She's like, (laughs) and then she like grabs Andy's axe, hands it back, gets out of the car, hands it back to her. Then she's like, yeah, we gotta go. They all get into a car and just drive away. Uh, And then we cut to a scene at like a, uh, like an Oceanside bar place. And, uh, Booker's outside, and it's essentially they're all talking about what they're going to do with Booker because Booker turned on Andy and essentially betrayed the group at that point. Uh, and then he goes down to the water. Andy goes down and talks to him, says, listen, they decided that they'll meet you back here in a hundred years. And he says that that wasn't what he was hoping for, but it was more than he expected to get. Um, and then Andy goes with Nikki, Joe and Niall. And then we cut over to, uh, yeah. And she says, she says, Niall wanted to let you off with an apology. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, also, Joe was like, or, or Booker said to Andy, you know, I guess this is a goodbye. I'm never going to see you again. And she told him to have faith, which is, that's when I, that's when I started to think that Nile that Andy knew that she was still immortal somehow. Um, maybe she regained her immortality. Uh, I'm not sure. Cause there was like the whole sense of like, she lost her immortality. She feels like she lost her immortality to get her on the right path again, like mm. the right train of thought. So I feel like Andy is truly a, like the first immortal and like, she truly is immortal and she only lost it to find Niall to be put back on the right track. And yeah, then I think, lost, I think she, because she lost faith in what they were doing. Right. And I think now that she has that, all that back and she has that understanding of what their true purpose is, I think she's immortal again. That's my personal belief or theory. Uh, anywhere. What was the time jump? Do you, either of you remember like how far six, forward? Six we, oh, six months. Yeah. So six months, six months later, we see Booker drops and breaks a bottle of booze, goes into his apartment, presumably drunk 
enters his, unlocks his apartment, opens it up with his gun drawn instantly, because I guess he knew that someone was in his apartment. And we find Quinn, who was the lady who was put into the Iron Maiden at the bottom of the ocean. And I forget what she says to him now. Uh, it's nice to finally meet you. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But then I don't remember what she said after that. And then it cuts to the credits. That's how we end up leaving off. So I really do think that there's going to be a sequel. Um, Devin, did you read the comics or do you just know of the comics? I just know of the comics. I didn't read them. Yeah. Um, I did read an article today that says that a sequel is most likely going to happen on Netflix because there is a sequel in the comics. Like the story does continue in the comics. Um, but like a lot of these scenes are straight from the comics. So I'm not yeah. saying that people out there, if you're really worried, if you really, really want to know what happens, go read the comics. Cause I mean, creative Liberty, they can change it from the show regardless or the movie regardless. But I mean, if you do want to know what happens in the comics, eh, go read them. Fuck it. I'm going to wait until the show comes out because I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. Um, Me too. I hope they do make a new one because Netflix has a terrible track record with things like this where they're just like, hey, we're going to drop this while it's popular. Let's never make any more again. Well, I mean, I don't know. They've they've stuck with Lucifer. Uh, they, yeah, but they, they tried to cancel it after the first, but then they changed well, they only They only said they were going to bring it back for one season. It, it was only going to get, what, a season or two. Yeah, that was it. Like it, it wasn't. They tried to cancel it. That I think that's all they had written for it. Yeah, but that's like and then all wasn't, it, wasn't it like their wasn't it like fan reactions that made them decide yeah. to bring it back? Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I know. But it, like everything that's on Netflix is like you get two to three seasons and then you're done. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know about their movies. They might, cause, but yeah. most of their original, especially their original shows. You get like three seasons, and then they're like, "Nah, we're dead. we're bored with this." <laughs> so, so Devin, what did you think overall? I mean, you did, I know you didn't do quite a bit of you didn't do quite a bit of the talking during this episode, but I want to hear from you. Overall, yeah, I like a lot. I mean, any any scenes that stood out to you? Like, what were some of your favorite parts? Who was your favorite characters? We want to hear from you. Why? Because if we don't, my mom's going to get very upset. And then I'm going to have to listen to it. Why Why her new favorite son didn't talk favorite a character, lot. Favorite character is <laughs> Andy. Uh, favorite character is Andy. I really did like... I actually really liked the whole scene at the end where they were saving Andy. And they're all trying to like protect Andy. Kind of like what, exactly what you said. I like that a lot too. Um, yeah. I mean... What else is there? You covered the movie. Like, what else is there? Like, did you get teary eyed at that point where they were all covering Andy? No, I did. Well, I, I, got, I got choked up. I'm happy you did. Okay. I'm happy you felt something. Um, Anquis, who are your favorite characters besides Nikki? Oh, so now you get to hear from your mom's not favorite new son. No, listen, okay, so there's a story behind this, Edquist. No, I know there is. I was, we were getting ready to go down, to shoot, we were going to go grocery shopping, I was going with her, and right before we left, 
I don't know, she did something where she was going to yell at me. Like, she was about to yell at me. And she yelled, she yelled, Devin. <laughs> and I look at her and she starts laughing. I was like, oh, so he's your new favorite son now? And she just starts laughing harder. So then I had to call Devin because she ended up asking me a question that I ended up having to ask Devin anyway. But then I was like, oh, Devin, I want you to know that apparently you're my mom's new favorite. <laughs> you know, I've been replaced. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty funny. Uh, no, it's okay, Webby's mom. I'm not even my mom's favorite son, so. <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> <God damn. laughs> uh, uh, anyway, um, yes, Nikki and Joe are my favorites. Uh, for 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 one thing, they're the first gay couple that's ever had a happy ending in any movie I've ever seen. So there's that. Uh, but like you said, like they they're very humorous. They turn everything into a joke, even when they're in mortal danger. And, like, just the little things they threw in about, like, they don't, like, super, like, shove their rep- relationship in your face. But, like, the little things, like, when they were both captured, they, like, swing close enough just to touch heads. Like, like little things like that. It's like, oh. And then the freaking speech he actually, gives no, I do, I, I, I do take back my favorite scene thinking about that. My favorite scene's actually where they kick everybody's ass in the back of the car. You just see them, like, sitting there chilling. Or when, like, they're kissing and they just pull them off. Like, yeah. they all get super uncomfortable just pull them off. Yeah. yeah. They're like, hey, That's wait a dumb. minute. <laughs> <laughs> wait a damn minute. The, the speech he gives in the, in the van about uh, him not being his boyfriend. Right. Like, I how love he, that how he, He's his everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I will admit to Edquist, or I, I will admit to everybody, I, I told Edquist when when I told him to sit down and watch this movie, I said, hey, we're going to be doing SU tomorrow on this movie. If you want to sit down and watch it, it's two hours. I don't know how you want to break it up. Or if you want to just watch it all at once. And then I told him, hey, feel free to text me throughout the movie with your comments on various parts. And then I did tell him, I was like, there is one scene, it's one of my favorite scenes in the movie, where Joe has a monologue in the back of an armored van. You'll know it when you see it. So, it was a very touching, heartwarming kind of speech that he gave, so. But yeah, I do, I love the fact that, like, the last thing you see of these guards is them separating Joe and and Nikki. And then all of a sudden the doors open and just Joe and Nikki are sitting there. All the guards are just splayed out. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, um, Yeah, I have to say, Joe and Nikki are probably my favorites, followed very closely by Andy. Um, Yeah, the only one I don't like is Booker. Fuck Booker. (laughs) Fuck Booker. Booker sucks. Yeah. I mean, mean, we didn't really explain his reasons, but he... Because he he talks to Niall about how his son was dying of cancer, and he was basically begging him to share his immortality, but like Booker doesn't know how. Like there's not a way to do it, which has made pretty much this whole thing also pointless because they've already tried to give their immortality to other people and it doesn't work. Well, it, that's not the only reason. It's my understanding too that. Unless I'm misremembering any part of this, which by all means, you and Devin, please feel free to tell me I'm wrong. It was my understanding that 
Andy felt such regret over what happened to Quinn and her stopped, you know, the fact that she stopped looking for her at all, Mm. um, that she no longer really wanted to live. And so Booker also was doing this to try to find a way to end the immortality. Yeah, because he wanted to die to be with his sons. And he thought she wanted to die because of what happened in the past. Right. But then when she starts to die, he's like, oh, wait, she's actually fucking dying. Yeah. It's like, and then he flips on a dime. It's just like, oh, shit. No, <laughs> this isn't right. So. But yeah, so that's why the reason he did what he did was he was hoping they could find a way to actually kill them because he doesn't want to live. Right. And I think the reason he felt regret over shooting Andy was that he wanted her to die on her own terms, but he wanted to at least give her the opportunity to make that choice. Mm. You know? Um, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, again, it's one of those things where this guy thought he was doing the right thing, but he went around, he went about the wrong way of doing it. Yeah. That's all. You know? Because, again, like, even if it was, even if it was to end the immortality, he could have you know, approached the CIA dude and said, listen, if we get you t- samples of blood and tissue and stuff, if you want to try to cure fucking cancer with it or, you know, cure all sorts of diseases, can you try to figure out how to wait a way to make it stop? You yeah. know, we, we also forgot to mention that at the end, they recruit the CIA guy to erase them from history. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, yeah, they all have like a little powwow minus Booker. And they're in the CIA dude's house, and they're like, hey, anytime we go somewhere and leave a footprint, you fucking erase it. Anytime we're online and people have a picture of us, you erase it. If we need a job to go save some important people, you find us that fucking job. And then Joe looks at him, and he's like, he's, she's not asking, dude. Mm-hmm. Like, you might want to say something. <laughs> like, So... He is the Charlie to their angels now. Yeah. Um, but all right. I mean, that's pretty much that's. That, I think we covered that movie more thoroughly than we have the last several movies that we've done. Uh, yeah. At least I, it's more fresh in my mind now. Um, so with that being said, is there any closing thoughts that either of you have? Questions either of you have? Um, no, I'm good. Head quest, nothing? No, I think so. All right, well, with that, everybody, that was The Old Guard. Go watch it on Netflix if you haven't already. Uh, and if you haven't already, what the fuck are you doing listening to this? Come on, go get with the program. It's on Netflix. Yeah, we just Pause spoiled this. the entire movie for you. Yeah, so. fucking <laughs> god damn. I didn't even put a spoiler alert at the beginning of the fucking thing. Putting a spoiler. They already know we talk about fucking spoilers. Listen, spoiler alert. If you've made it this far, we spoiled the movie for you. (laughs) I'm letting you know right now. You can't say that I didn't give you a spoiler alert. Anyway, um, Edquist, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at Confessor underscore X and on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Confessor X. And Sir Bigglesby, the third Esquire, where can people find you? You guys can find me on Twitter at DMP underscore Pookie and on Twitch at Me. And as always, you can find me on eBay plotting 
sexy murder. Oh, shit. As always, everybody, thank you for listening. Uh, you know, I always get to write about this point before I forget. Uh, Devin, do we have life advice with Devin this week? Don't grow old and wear a face mask. All right. Don't grow old, wear a face mask. Wearing a face mask will give you immortality. Yep. Probably not true. So don't quote me on that one. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, hope you enjoyed the episode. Uh, write us and tell us what you thought of the movie. If you've seen it, uh, you guys can follow me on Twitter at Jack's Forest Walker, all one word. On Twitch at DMWebby. On Instagram at Patrick.Webster52. And on eBay at Looking How to Become Immortal for Me and Devin. So until, every, until next week, everybody, fuck Booster Gold. Fuck Booster Gold. Like, not in the good way, either. Like, set his ass on fire, throw him out of a plane, and hope he doesn't hit water. Like, it's bad. I want him to hurt. Unless Nathan Fillion plays him in a movie, in which case, I love Nathan Fillion, but I hate Booster Gold, so I don't know. It's going to be a wash. I don't understand what's going to happen. We forgot the new science corner with Rob. Well, oh, wow. Science Quarter with Rob coming next week.